Hey, good morning. How many of you had a late night last night? I'm specifically speaking about football related. I'm not trying to get into your personal life there. Realize I could have gone a couple different ways. Sorry about that. Hey, uh, what if you could fear less and faith more? That's the question we're asking in this series that we're going to wrap up two weeks from now. And the thing about fear is it shows up in different ways. Uh, It's interesting that the word fear in the Bible, when it talks about fear, one of the primary words it uses is this word phobio, which sounds like a word that we use called phobia, right? So I want to name a few phobias and see if you can name what those are. Uh, Tell me if you know what this, this phobia means. Claustrophobia. Confined spaces, exactly. Um, arachnophobia. Spiders. Spider. Some people said that with, uh, it's my anger. Okay, how about this? Odontophobia. Wow, good job. Good job, okay. Let me take it up a notch. Deuterophobia. No, not numbers. Or lunadisophobia. Okay. It's the fear of Mondays. Isn't that great? Hey, if that's your phobia, now you know what it's called. And please go back to our archives. We just did a series called Monday Matters. Might help you out there if that's your phobia. Okay. Colorophobia. Fear of clowns. And as, I don't know if it was Proverbs or what that said this, some of them are justified. Some phobias are justified. Hey, how about this? Xenophobia. It deals with the question of what if. Not, no, not, not aliens. Phobia, uh, xenophobia, it deals with, with worry and anxiety. It asks the question of what if. It's the fear of the unknown. And basically it's asking what if this happens. So, some of us have been warriors for a long time. Like we've got it down. Some of us could be in the warriors hall of fame. I think I'm a first ballot hall of famer on that one. I've struggle with worry and anxiety my whole life, and it deals with this question. It's about the unknown and wanting to fill in the blanks. What what if this happens to my kids, or what if this happens to our finances, or what if this happens to our economy, or what if this happens to our country, or what if this happens in the weather? And we fill in these what-if questions, trying to figure out and deal with this fear of the unknown, and it shows up in our life as worry. In my whole life, Whenever worry would start, I would immediately feel defeated. Because I know it's, the Bible says, do not worry. And I'm thinking, but I'm worrying. And I would just get defeated right away. So I, 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 and what I'm going to say next may feel like I'm trying to justify or make, make a case for maybe worry's not that bad. But what if worry's not that bad? What if we have worry wrong? What if it's possible to worry well? What if we're just looking at it the wrong way? And let me show you what I mean by that. Now, if, if phobio is the word, Greek word for fear, the Greek word for, for uh, worry is miramano. Miramnano. means worry, anxiety, or deep concern. And it's used actually one time when it says, don't do this. Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, do not worry about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. So it's pretty clear, right? Worry's wrong. So this is a verse that I have memorized. It's a live passage for me and the verses that follow. And I hear this, and so as soon as I start to do it, I go, I'm getting it wrong. But what if you could do that right? 
Because Paul uses the exact same word. This word's used a good number of times in the New Testament by Jesus, Paul, and others. It really means a great or deep concern. And he also uses it in the same letter he wrote to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2. The same exact word, but look how he uses it. Same word. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I may also be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Same, same exact Greek word. But this time, it's getting it right. So how do you worry well? What's the difference? How come he doesn't say, I'm going to send Timothy to you soon, but he's not going to listen to me because I'm telling him to not be anxious about anything, but he's being anxious for you. So what am, I, what, what am I going to do with this guy? I'm sending him to you. He doesn't say that. He actually commends him. What if there's a way to get it right. And for those of you that struggle with worry, I want to help you not feel defeated the minute it shows up. And one of the things we've said about fear is it's a noun and a verb. It's something you have and it's something you do. Just like faith. This is a series about fear and faith. Your faith is something you have and I hope you have faith. I hope you're building your faith. I hope you're feeding your faith. But it's got to be something you do. You've got a verb. Faith more. And, and fear is something you have. You experience, it's real. And for some of you, the triggers are because something that happened to you that was very real. And you can't help what shows up in your life. For some of it, it might be chemically triggered. For some of it, it just might be circumstantially triggered. But it shows up. The question is, what do you do with it now? And I want you to know when it shows up, you're not defeated at that point. There's hope. There's a way forward. And, and, and it's almost like there's this line that somehow Timothy was on the right side of it. He worried well. He was concerned for their welfare. But then there's what I do, which seems to cross over a line. And what we've said is fear and worry can be constructive and build something or destructive and tear something down. And where you fall on the worry is either building something in you, your faith, your life, or the lives of others, as Timothy was doing, or it's tearing something down, your faith, your life, or even the lives of others. So what's the difference? How do you worry well? I think worry is concern that crosses the line between constructive and destructive. I think that's how you know where it's going. You might even ask the question, if I follow this worry, where is it taking me? Because worry actually, in terms of how we, not how we typically think of it, but how Paul talks about it, can be helpful. It can be constructive. It can build something up. But it can also tear something down if you let it take you. If you cross that line, it can take you further than you want to go down a little rabbit trail asking the what ifs. But what ifs aren't a bad thing. What ifs help us buy life insurance to care for our family, to plan ahead for our college savings for our kids. It makes us plan ahead if we want to go on a vacation to get early, early, cheaper discounted tickets rather than going, hey, I think I'll go for a, for a, for a trip. Like planning ahead has some value. Uh, Proverbs even says it. That's not on the screen. Proverbs tw- actually says it in 20, uh, Proverbs 22.3. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. It means they step back and go, what if I actually say this? I could get fired. What if I actually do this? That could lead to a bad place. What if this actually happens? I should prepare for a rainy day. There's there's an upside, a value to asking the what if question, but there's a line you cross from constructive to destructive you've got to be careful of. 
And here's the thing. If you're a worrier, here's what we want you to know, the others of you who aren't. You need us. You need us worriers. Because when we're doing it well, we're good planners. We are great strategists. We'll get you to the flight on time. We will find the best seat. If you're going to Disney, you want to take me with you. I am a Disney Sherpa. I mean, I, I, we went in July and had short lines and a great experience. Like, we were ready because I worry well about some things. I'm a planner. Warriors tend to be good strategists. It's constructive. But it crosses a line. And the question you have to ask with every fear, every concern that shows up in your life is, is this constructive or destructive, and where is it taking me? And the problem is, even though warriors can be good at strategy and good at planning and good at thinking ahead, the challenge is, if we live in those future realities too long, we get stuck. And all these what-ifs that we imagine, they become realities for us. They don't become what-ifs anymore. And it sends us on a downward spiral. Here's the thing. You cannot control your feelings, but you can have some control over your response. And that's what Paul talks about in Philippians 4 when he talks about what it looks like. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there because he actually says more than do not be anxious about anything. He has some other thoughts that I want to talk about that might show us exactly what does it look like to worry well, specifically in four specific areas. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 verse 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by petition, prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. We've said it a number of times in these series, the most common command given to us in the Bible is to fear not. The most common promise given to us is, I will be with you. And I think the two are related. And he says that here, I will be with you. But it's hard to get around that very blatant statement, very concrete, objective. I mean, he says it. Do not be anxious about anything. But what punctuation follows it? We talked about grammar, faith and fear. It's a noun and a verb. It helps us understand it. Punctuation here matters too. What comes after do not be anxious about anything? Is it a period or a comma? It's a comma. He has more to say about this than just that. Don't do it. If you do it, I'm sorry. No, there's a way out. There's a way forward. And he says, do not be anxious about anything, but, comma, but, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Basically, he says, here's the thing, and they both go together. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. But then he reminds us, the God you're praying to is actually with you. Worry about nothing and pray about everything. Pray about everything means exactly that. I mean, everything is okay to pray about. My daughter asked me this week, she goes, like, can I pray about this? What is it? I want a toy. Well, I think it's okay to do that, but probably there's some other things. You want to pray about everything, not just that, but I think God cares about you, so just tell him you're really wanting a toy and ask him 
help you make good decisions and that he provides you the money and I'm not that source. Like, let's pray about that. Let's do that. I mean, tell God exactly what you want. He already knows anyway, right? Right? If he's all-knowing and all-powerful, we believe he already knows. So why would we hesitate from opening up? Because we're actually talking to our Heavenly Father. One of the New Testament terms used for our Heavenly Father is this word Abba, which means Daddy, a very intimate Father term. It typically wasn't associated with prayer until Jesus said, this is what I'm making possible because of what I'm doing for you at the cross. And sometimes I think we're intimidated by prayer because we feel like we don't have the lingo right. There's no lingo. Just talk to God and tell him what's on your heart. And as a part of this, he says, in every situation, you know, pray about every, everything, anything, in every situation, anything and everything. With thanksgiving, I think that's an important thing that keeps us grounded on our Heavenly Father. And I'll come back to that in a little bit. But I think it's important to remember thanking God for what he's already done, not just the what ifs. And the more we focus on the what is and not the what ifs, it reminds us that he can take care of the what ifs. He's faithful. He cares about us. And I think you pray these prayers in you know, anything and everything as often as you need. Jesus tells a parable in Luke 18 about this, this widow who is just persistent, persistent, persistent. And he said, that's how you should pray. Keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. Because when you do that, it keeps you focused on your heavenly father. Psalm 55, 17 says, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress and he hears my voice. What a great promise. He hears my voice. And this is not saying at dinner time, breakfast, and lunch, I will thank him for my food. It's bigger than that. It's God, I need you right now at 3 p.m. on a Monday. My kids are out to get out of school, and I just, I can't even. Like, I don't have the energy. I need your help. Because you've entrusted these little ones to me, and I'm, I'm depleted. God, I, I wasn't prepared for the doctor to say that. I need you right now. Pour out your heart to him in anything and everything. And what he promises to provide is peace. And for those of us that struggle with anxiety, that's what we want. We want a peaceful heart. And we think it's tied to our peaceful circumstances. But God says, no, I can, in the midst of chaos, bring peace into your world because that's who I am. It's not just what I give, it's who I am. And he wants to provide that. So Philippians 4, 7, he says this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, you can't quite logically figure it out. It just doesn't quite, it's bigger than I can even wrap my head around. Well, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As Paul wrote this letter, he was actually in a prison cell. He actually had a guard who was there guarding to make sure that nobody got out that wasn't supposed to get out and nobody got in that wasn't supposed to get in. And God says, that's what I want to do for your heart. I want to guard it to where peace rules. And that's what happens if you let me rule, if you let me be in charge. John 14, 27, Jesus promised, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And again, he says, it's not just don't be afraid because those of us that struggle with fear or worry or anxiety, whatever it is, we, we don't love it when people say, well, just don't worry. Oh, okay. Just done. It's, can't do that. 
So Jesus, for whatever reason, whenever he says, do not be afraid, there's usually something associated right around there where he says, and here's why. I'm with you. I'll provide peace. I will give it. And it's different than anything you can experience in anything in this life. And this is our challenge as warriors. When we have fear or anxiety or worry, our thought is, I got to deal with the what ifs and come up with my plans. And some of those are helpful. It crosses a line, though, and can become destructive. And it stops building up our faith. It stops building up our life. And it stops building up others. And the minute your fear or your worry or your anxiety takes you away from being connected to your heavenly father or loving others and knowing that you're loved by your heavenly father, it's destructive. You start doubting him. You actually start doubting others. You feel like, I got to take control here. Praying the right way, this way, about our worry, that leads to the right kind of worry. Is we pray about, pray about everything, worry about nothing, and we do it with thanksgiving. And then Philippians 4.8, kind of on the thanksgiving idea, he says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Do a mental inventory of what's running through your mind. Especially if you're awake at 3 a.m. Or especially if you find yourself kind of at a border crossing between constructive and destructive worry. What you focus on determines what you see. Like, have you ever been, like, all of a sudden you decided, hey, I think I want to get a new car. I want to get a Jeep Wrangler. Do they even make those anymore, Jeep Wranglers? Yeah, they do, okay. So all of a sudden, if you never really, you kind of all of a sudden you just notice and go, I want that, I think I want to buy that. Suddenly you see them everywhere, right? See them everywhere. What you think about really does shape what you see because sometimes you're just not looking. We talked about it last week. We think that God shows up. No, he's there. He's promised to be with you. Look for him and notice him. And for those of us that worry and deal with the what ifs, focus on the facts, not just the what ifs. Focus on what is, not just the what ifs. What's true. Find the things that are true in life and focus on that. And ask yourself as things are running through your mind, is this true or could it be just true someday? If it's just it could be true someday, then don't give it as much energy or attention, but focus on what is true. What do you know to be true? And I think part of that is focusing on what God has said to be true. The challenge for many of us is we're watching things or we're listening to things or we're connecting to things that don't always have a lot of truth. And I'm, I'm like one of the things I think that can be unhealthy for us is the news. Because here's, the, here's what news and entertainment would, needs you to know. They need to make you scared or uncomfortable or stirred up to get ratings. They don't have your best interest in mind. Some do, not all do. There are people in your life that don't always have your best interest in mind. They want something from you, not want some, wanting something for you. And the only person in this world that we can truly trust has the purest motives when it regards to us would be our Heavenly Father who wants something for us, not just wants something from us. He wants something for us. And so you ask, when you deal with the question about what if, be very careful that it, it, you don't fill in too many gaps with what you think to be true when it's just a possibility. And I love, I heard somebody one time use the acronym for fear as false evidence appearing real. And for many of us, 
we have some truth in our head, and it's not true. There's truth about who we think we are, and it's not true. There's truth about who somebody else is, and it's not true. There's truth about the world, and it's not true. There's truth about God, and it's not true. There's truth that we've accepted that maybe isn't true. Test it. And be careful what you're focusing on. And Philippians 4.8 says, think about such things. If it can pass through that filter, think about it again and again and again. You ever heard the phrase, count your blessings? Anyone, raise your hand if you've ever heard that phrase. It's a great exercise. In fact, matter of fact, we're about to do that as a church a lot for about a month. Uh, starting in a couple of weeks, we're going to do a series called Blessed. I think the term blessed or blessing is one of the more, more frequently used but maybe misunderstood words in the Bible. It's, I'm not sure exactly what it means. Is it, is it like karma? Like, you know, is it, is it just like when my, my feet are on a beach? And like, like is it, is it what, what, is, what does it mean to be blessed? What does the Bible specifically say of what it is and how we live that way? And I think one of the reasons we need to count our blessings is something we'll talk about in that series. One of the reasons we need to count our blessings is to remember that we can count on God. Because when we focus on the what is, and we remember this is what he's done, this is when he showed up, I, I, I took his truth, I applied it to my life, it's right, it's true, it's noble, it's excellent, it's praiseworthy. When I think about those things, wow, God has a pretty good track record. And if you read the Old Testament, they had this history of God blessing them in these different unique ways and them being very forgetful for themselves, or forgetting to tell the next generation. I think it's very under, important to understand this concept of what does it mean to be blessed. So in, in, in about uh, three weeks, we're going to start this series called Blessed. But Let's take the word thanksgiving. Paul tells us in Philippians 4.8, do this with thanksgiving. What is it you're thankful for right now in life? And, and move it beyond just the stuff that you have. And even beyond the people that God's put in your life, what are you thankful for about what, who God is and what he's done for you in the past? That will serve you well going forward. Because what we've talked about this summer in a series called I Am is we need a fixed point of reference because our world is constantly spinning and seems to be in chaos. So praying about everything and worrying about nothing, the right kind of prayer is important, our focus matters, but so does our response. Again, we can't control what happens to us. We can control how we respond. In Philippians 4.9, it says this. Whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And then after that game plan of Philippians 4.4 all the way through this point, he says, when you're living that way, the God of peace will be with you. This is how you experience him personally. And the thing is, our obedience to doing what God says produces confidence. Disobedience produces fear. Guilt produces fear. But when you put it into practice and God shows himself to be true, when we respond by saying yes to what Jesus asks of us, it gives him the opportunity to show, you see, I am taking care of you. This is the right path. I am who I say I am. And living a life where we're disobedient or with sin moves us away from God's loving care, leadership, and plan. 
So again, you have to ask the question, is, is my response right now crossing the line from a place where it's constructive to a place where it's destructive? Destructive for my life, my faith, because the number one thing God is trying to do in your life is build the faith and the trust relationship between the two of you. And is it destructive on the people around me? And when we worry this way, and we worry about nothing and pray about everything with thanksgiving and our focus is on what is true and who is true in, in Jesus. And we respond the way Jesus calls us to respond by putting it into practice. We don't follow our fear. We don't follow our emotion. We certainly don't feed our fear. We feed our faith. When we do that, it leads to an impact. And Paul could you say this to your family, to your roommates, to your classmates, people around you? Could by your faith of how you're faithing more, could you say, hey, anything you've learned or received or heard from me, anything you've seen in my life, do that. Paul could say that. What you learn, whatever I taught, what you received, what I wrote, or you heard me say, or even anything you've just seen in my life, put that into practice. He told another church, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus. Here's what I want you to know. If you're living a life where you're worrying about nothing and praying about everything, you have deep concern, but you're keeping it on the right side of the line. And you're taking those concerns to God and asking God, what do you want me to do? And what's true and what's not? And what does it look like to follow you in this moment? As you live that out, you could have that kind of impact on the people around you. You could make that kind of a difference. And, and, and I've read this passage, I would, I would even say hundreds of times in my life. Because again, I struggle with worry a lot. And I've grown in that area a lot. But it's still a struggle. I never paid attention to the very next verse because it felt unrelated. In Philippians 4.10, it says, I rejoice greatly that the Lord at last, uh, that at last you renewed your concern for me. It's a different word than the one he used with anxiety and a different one he used for Timothy about his great concern for the church, but it's a derivative. It's, I mean, it's, it's a relative. It's similar. It's a different word, but it's similar. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Here's the thing about your concern, your worry. When it doesn't have an opportunity to do something, it'll eat you alive. And, the reason, and one of the ways I think I know when I'm getting my concern, my worry on the right side of constructive or destructive, is it leads me to a deeper faith with God, following him in a next step with him, a deeper concern for the people around me. And what he said is, you know, you guys wanted to support me, but you didn't have an opportunity. And then when you did, you supported me. This, Philippians is a thank you letter. And actually, if you're doing the, the reading plan this week um, that we do for every series, you're reading Philippians, as well as a, a short uh, Old Testament book, Habakkuk, in the reading plan. Paul writes them a thank you letter. and says, you had concern for me, and you expressed it. There's something about just having the noun, it needs the verb. It's got to show up and do something. If we don't live this way, where we understand where the line is, if we kind of let our worry drive us, it'll take us someplace we don't want to go. 
And eventually, it will take us away from Jesus. It will take our eyes off of him. It will turn our ears to other things to help inform us. It'll take us to, for a very rough ride. So when we understand that worry and fear can take you somewhere you don't want to go, what we understand is we need to take our worry and fear to Jesus. And that's why Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, pray. Pray with thanksgiving, but pray your concern. Because what that does, it's constructing a faith in you that will survive any storm. So right now, what I want to ask you to do is think about this. Where is it right now where you're feeling a ping or a little tag, a ting, something on the radar that you might call worry? And then ask yourself this question right now. Which side of the line is it? Is this something that's constructive I mean, I'm worried about my kids being able to pay for my kids' college. Well, that's a good concern. Love your kids. That's great. I'm worried about this health issue. Well, that's great. I mean, take care of yourself. But what are you doing with it at that point? See, I think the moment it shows up on the radar, what we do with it then is what makes the difference of what value and what it will construct in our lives and where it will take us. Which side of the line is your worry right now, right now? And what would it look like for you to worry about nothing by praying about everything? And it may take you constantly saying, God, I don't mean to bug you about this, but again, I'm really worried about this. But what actually, maybe is there something that you feel like God's calling you to do, a next step? Maybe something he's calling you to put into practice or how he wants different truths being fed into your life. What are some of the what-is things versus the what-if things that you need to focus on? Because worry is concern that crosses the line between constructive and destructive. So think about which side of the line you are right now. And the thing is, Jesus said, in the Sermon on the Mount, he was talking about worry, and he said, again, worry about nothing. He's one of the people that said it too. And he asked this question, he goes, what good will worry do? Will it add a single hour to your life? And he's exactly right. Worry that's destructive on this side of the line, it will not add anything to your life, but more stress, more worry, destructive things to your life. But if it leads you to him, to seeking him first, you're on the right side of the line. Follow that. And follow him. And I think what's so important about what Paul kind of distinguishes every time he shows somebody who's worrying well, who's concerning well, constructively, it led them to engage with God and with others deeply. Worry has a way of turning us inward and being selfish. But it doesn't mean God doesn't care about your worries, about what you're worried about. He does care. But he says, what if the key to this thing What if the key for it being constructive is being concerned for others that actually shows up and does something? It prays for others. It gives to others. It walks with others through a season. Wherever you are in the worry battle, there's two groups. Some of us worries, it's either a 
new situation, it's been a season of worry, or it's been a life of worry. What would it look like for you to worry well and be on the constructive side of things? For those of you who don't, the way you can show concern for others in a constructive way is walking with us that those who do by being understanding and just being, even if you, and, and don't say you know how it feels, if, you know, I know how you feel if you don't struggle with worry. Because you don't. Especially those who have battled with it at a deep, deep level. You don't know how it feels. But I don't want you to know how it feels. I want you to know that you care. I want you to know that, I want to know that you're with me. And I want to know that you're on the side of helping me build a constructive faith. Show constructive concern for those who battle with this. And again, I want to thank some of you on on our, we have some series resources on the app and on the website uh, that can help you. And we're going to wrap up the series kind of next week and then we're going to kind of do one kind of unique fearless message after that. But next week we're going to talk about, um, we kind of, we live in fearful times. Again, fear is big ratings. And so a lot of people will try and leverage that. But even if people weren't trying to leverage for ratings, there's enough going on in the world that can make us scared. Stuff with weather, stuff with politics, stuff with finances, stuff with our kids, stuff with health. There's enough in the world. How do you live in a world that seems like an increasingly godless society? If you're a person of faith, that concerns you. How do you live in that kind of world in a fearless way where you faith more? We're going to talk about it next week. But on the app, you can listen to previous messages. I encourage you to do that. Uh, Watch previous messages. There's the, the reading plan. This week we're reading Philippians and Habakkuk, uh, there's also a way, and here's what I'm, I love some of you have done, is to submit your fear. My fear is, and you tell us what it is, as much or as little as you want to tell about it. And you can do that anonymously, or you can, you can put your name on it or not. I'm so proud of some of you of identifying a fear and saying, this is the fear I'm dealing with. And uh, I want you to know, I've prayed for you this week. Um, and I'm a worrier, so I'm worried for you. <laughs> You know, I worry about how much I worry. That's how bad it is. But, but I worry about, about, I was concerned for you, and I tried to be constructive with that and say, well, I, I, some of these are anonymous. I don't even know how to follow up. So I'll just pray. I'll just do what we're talking about. But I'm so proud of you for some of you stepping out and naming your fear. I challenge you, if you struggle with worry or fear, tell somebody. This is a team sport. Faith is a team sport. We are a child of God, but we are not only children. We need each other throughout this. Paul mentioned two people in his life, Timothy and Titus. I'm so thankful for them, and they're a great concern for me. You need people like that in your life. But I want to challenge you to name your fear and then figure out what does it look like to faith more and to worry well. Let's stand for closing prayer. Heavenly Father, thanks that you love us and you're for us. There are a lot of things in life that might cause us to doubt that. Help us to think about what is true, what is good, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy. Um, That filter would weed out a lot of the things that are speaking into my life at times. Help me to fill my mind with your truth. And not just reading about you, but doing things in life where I experience you personally and I count my blessings. I say what I'm thankful for of how you've proven yourself to be true and the reason we count our blessings is to remember that we can count on you. You have a track record of faithfulness. And the reason I can fear less and faith more is because you are faithful and I am grateful. For those struggling with worry this morning, I pray that you would help them figure out how to keep from crossing the line 